Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Justice Radio, and this is Ending the Drug War in Maine with Zoe Brokus and Charlotte Warren. This is Charlotte Warren, and hello, Hi. Zoe. Hi, how are you? I'm doing great, although I have to tell you that although we're going to start with the good news and the good work, I have to tell you that I dreamt last night about all of the bad drug bills we're going to have to fight this year in the session. And then I, on my walk in the woods this morning, it was like all that I thought about was like, how do we remind people that the drug war has never worked and doubling down on it isn't going to make it work now after all of these years, right? So maybe we put that as the second half so we can start off on the good stuff we promised our listeners last month that we would tell them about what we're working on in the legislature and session is underway and we have some we have a great bill we're working on so maybe we start there zoe and then we go to talking about what we need to fight and why we need all of our listeners to join us and fight with us yeah i think that sounds like a great idea do you want to start us off with a little bit about our sort of major focus? Sure. Bill? Yeah, sure. Um, so, yeah. And I think, you know, I think we were, maybe we were really lucky last session because there wasn't a whole lot else going on. And so maybe it's okay that there are efforts being made. And so I want to just kind of put that out there because I think we really need to remember that just because we think this is the right way, there are clearly a lot of people who don't agree. And and yet we're seeing these really interesting efforts to, yeah. to approach the same issues that we care deeply about. And so I'm going to take that as a positive. Great. And I love so it. And that's kind of, I think, what the concept of this big bill is that the Maine Drug Policy Coalition is really focusing on right now. And we kind of um, looked at um, the history since Governor Mills has started. And, and while we certainly have not always agreed on her uh, perspective and, and kind of her approach, it is clear that she uh, supports a lot of the same work that we support and a lot of the same things that we care very deeply about. And so we kind of looked at her strategic plan um, that she presented first two years ago. Um, and then I, and then she sort of updated it to come out again. And it's clear she really has, she and her administration, um, because I actually think the, the uh, four-legged stool phenomenon came from Mike Soschuk back in the day. Um, but mm. really looking at there being these four elements of addressing substance use related issues broadly in the state of Maine. And those are prevention, treatment, recovery, and then they kind of say, and harm reduction under their breath. <laughs> and, and, you know, and that's fine because I think our, what we have really all come together as a community to recognize and appreciate is that recovery and harm reduction are the same thing. In fact, right. I would argue that prevention is harm reduction and harm reduction is prevention and probably also treatment. So, you know, semantics, it's all good. But really, we took those four elements for this bill and really pieced out what we believed we needed. And 
my theory is kind of presenting it like, well, these are all the things that you said were going to work. And these are all the things that you said you were going to prioritize. And so here's one bill with everything we need. And yeah, a little bit of decrim sprinkled in. So that's kind of the the essence of it. I don't know if you have anything you want to speak more specifically about. Nice job. I think you did a great job presenting that. So the title of the bill is a public health response to substance use disorder, right? So we are talking about let's do what the experts actually say. If we want to keep saying that this is a public health emergency, let's deal with it as a public health emergency, which means all of the four pillars that Zoe just presented, but also that we don't criminalize folks who are suffering from a disease, Mm -hmm. right? that we stop the criminalizing. And, you know, we just, we're seeing another budget come out with millions more dollars. Thank you. We need them. We need these, you know, treatment opportunities. We need supervised withdrawal. We need to give people help when they want it, et cetera, et cetera. But what I keep saying is we can continue to spend millions and millions and millions of dollars on all of these things. But if we are still shaming and stigmatizing people who are struggling, we are not actually saying, welcome, we love you, let's get some help. Mm -hmm. We're simultaneously saying, we love you and now let me punch you in the face and throw you in a jail cell, Mm -hmm. right? So, So this bill takes away that second piece. It takes away that piece that we know has caused over criminalization has cost us billions of dollars, and therefore we can't fund what we actually know we need, Mm -hmm. right? So just a little little PS of our own, right? That that's the, you know, that's the important piece of public health response. Yeah, and I think, you know, I think the way we present this is going to be really, really important because I think that uh, reframing the way we talk about criminalization, you know, it, that's the other piece is there's this, the administration has been really focused on these anti-stigma campaigns and reducing stigma and recovery-friendly workplace initiatives. And, and that's all beautiful. But I want to present the, the, the sort of piece of this where as long as drug use is criminalized and people are tortured and traumatized in prison, lose their children, lose their identity, lose their free will, and then come back out into the world and are expected to just function normally and go to work. And because they have have an employer who's recovery friendly, you know, there's a lot there. And so I think Mm -hmm. it's also an opportunity to really look at the big picture and say, okay, we've all agreed the opposite of addiction is connection. Everyone needs community. Everyone deserves community, compassion, and love. And that's what I think a, a decriminalization effort can offer to the whole community. Well said. I love it. And so for this bill, um, this bill hasn't been printed yet for our listeners, but it will be coming out of the revisor's office soon. We'll then see a public hearing scheduled rather quickly. And we will keep you in the loop about that. But one of the things I want you to know is that there are a few ways to sort of keep in touch, 
right? Um, you can definitely find Zoe Brokus. That's B-R-O-K-O-S. If you look her up on the internet, you can find her and her contact information. She is with the Church of Safe Injection. And you can find her email and reach out to her and find out how do I get involved? I have a story to tell at the public hearing. I think this is important. I'm Charlotte Warren. I'm also easy to find. I'm a former legislator. I'm a social worker. You can reach out to me. You can also join the Maine Recovery Advocacy Coalition. That is a place that meets, that is an organization that meets every week and keeps people up to date with what's happening in the legislature. So again, we're about 13 minutes in, so I'm going to have us do a quick break. You are listening to Justice Radio Podcast, and you're here with Charlotte Warren and Zoe Brokus, and we are talking about ending the drug war in Maine. So now the second part of the conversation, right? <laughs> the part of the conversation where, for folks who are listening, the bill titles came out on Saturday, this past Saturday. So I know that's exciting news. You can go to the legislature website, maine.gov legislature, and look at all of the titles that have come out. And we are seeing a lot of bills aimed at increasing penalties for trafficking. Let's talk a little bit about what that means, other than the thing that I said at the beginning, which is like, oh, okay, great. We know that this has not worked, but let's go at it harder. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think um, uh, I think it's important for listeners to understand what trafficking means in Maine. And I think, um, you know, right now we are still, we haven't stopped since 2015. We are still working with a non-pharmaceutical drug supply, right? Like the fentanyl that is in the community and, and not to be kind of like sensationalist about it, but, you know, what we have seen is a drastic shift away from heroin towards illicitly produced you know, manufactured substances, fentanyl and fentanyl analogs, which just means like other derivatives of fentanyl that are being being sold as heroin. And, and what's interesting is some communities are very aware that the product on the street that that is still often referenced as heroin called dope, whatever, is fentanyl. Other communities do not seem as aware of that. So there's a a really inconsistent drug supply. Uh, fentanyl is is showing up not just in our opioids, um, such as heroin, but also in in the entire uh, drug supply, such as cocaine and crystal meth and pressed pills and things like that. There has been some crazy hysteria about uh, fentanyl, and um, and you will hear this session, let's just make this very clear. There is going to be somebody, probably more than one person who wants to talk about cannabis laced with fentanyl and how there have been children in our community who have died. And I just want to make it very clear that this is always, always, always an opportunity to do your own research because every story that has come out in the media and just 
kind of circulated throughout the community about this phenomenon of cannabis being found with fentanyl and, and people experiencing an overdose, very similar to the police officers who experience an overdose because they touched fentanyl. It's just not true. And it breeds fear and it, and it further stigmatizes people who use drugs. And it just, it really does not help. And so I think it's important to have a really clear understanding of what it means to get a trafficking charge in Maine, um, because I believe that these bills that we're seeing to kind of increase kind of trafficking charges and to get the dealers off the street, it um, it comes from a lot of this misinformation and this fear that, well, we need to get, you know, if anyone listened to Maine Calling last week, Governor Mills referenced a teddy bear uh, powdered, what's the word, like fluffed with fentanyl powder. And like, that was her answer to why the the child welfare system in Maine uh, needs to be reevaluated. It's because of all the fentanyl filled teddy bears that kids are hanging on to. So, you know, there's just, there's this misinformation that's incredibly dangerous. And I think it's a reminder to everyone that sometimes our most powerful testimony can be just uh, sharing the truth and providing science. And that's why I always look towards our doctors and our scientists and our researchers, because they're the ones who know. I mean, I don't know all the things, but I certainly know the people that do. So um, that's just a little piece of advice and um, information that I think can be really helpful. But Charlotte, will you kind of explain to people what uh, trafficking charge means? And, and I do think we might have to talk about the amount a little bit. Yes, and thank you for bringing up those examples. One of the things we're seeing backlash about is something that ex-Governor LePage in his failed campaign to become governor again talked about over and over and over was that Janet Mills changed trafficking laws so that people could have a ton of fentanyl, right? I mean, it was just this sort of like fear, fear, fear very similar to what Governor Mills is doing about fentanyl and will continue to do in her inauguration speech, right? She she referenced overdose deaths in between domestic violence um, and child abusers, mm. right? So we are heading into a very um, dangerous time 
um, in these conversations. But so that's where some of this backlash is coming from. So we made a change, LD 1675, in the legislature last year that said trafficking needed to be proved. That trafficking could not be just based on weight, because that is what's been happening in our state, does not happen in many other states, has been happening here in this state, that all people had to have was a certain amount and they could be charged with trafficking. The example I always would give is that I teach in Portland, right? And when I was um, still drinking, I'm now two years um a teetotaler, which is what I call myself. But when I was still drinking, I would go to Trader Joe's, you know, once a month and I'd buy a couple cases of red wine and I'd buy those cases of red wine, two buck chuck or three buck chuck, right? Because it's cheap wine and I'd put it in my basement and, and then, you know, a bottle a day or when I was having guests over, right? But if I got pulled over by the cops on my way home, from teaching and I had two cases of wine, there's no way I was going to get charged with opening up an illegal liquor store, right? Nobody was going to ever charge me with that because I had this ridiculous amount of wine, right? Well, that's exactly what we're doing, you know, around charging people with whatever substance, not, it doesn't matter if it's heroin or marijuana, right? Cannabis. They're basically ascribing some sort of behavior based on an amount. And what we said is you can't do that anymore. Yeah. You have to prove a crime. That is that is what that is what we believe, right? In in all other circumstances. So that is the change that we made. But what you asked me to do and and what I will do right now is that our drug laws are still based on amounts. That is, in many ways, how we distinguish between this itty-bitty, tiny, tiny possession amount and itty-bitty, tiny, tiny furnishing amount and trafficking amount, mm -hmm. right? Irre oh, my goodness, I almost was going to say irregardless. <laughs> Regardless of any behavior that somebody is exhibiting. And so the reality is, it doesn't matter. The reality is fentanyl isn't anything and everything right now, right? Maybe not teddy bears, right? But the drug supply is very dangerous. But what I'd like to go back to, Zoe, is crack cocaine. The conversations that we are having right now are exactly the conversations that we were having 20, 30 years ago about crack cocaine. And more importantly, the same conversations that we'll be having in a decade or two decades or five years from now about another drug. Mm -hmm. The drug doesn't matter. The drug will never matter and criminalization will never work. And there will always be a new substance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Yep. And, and here's the thing I want to say. When we started this version of the drug war back in the 80s, Somebody should get a pass for that because it really was an experiment. We didn't know what the answer was. We didn't know, right? But we were trying, lawmakers were trying to help with this huge issue that they saw with crack babies, right? And, and you know, we remember all of these myths of these youths and what were going to happen with these kids and, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. 
Um, we saw juvenile justice laws change, right? Mm -hmm. We know better now, folks. We have decades of research that shows us that it hasn't helped. Drug use has only increased, but what we've done is we've over-criminalized black and brown and poor people. We now in this state spend $300 million a year locking people up, $300 million a year locking people up. I'm not even talking about police. I'm literally just talking about jail and prison each year in Maine. Maine, a population of 1.3 million people. We spend 300 million and we can't get help for people when they want it. The drug has never mattered. It will never matter. Criminalization hasn't worked and it won't work. <sighs> Those were a lot of words, but thank you for letting me get them out. Well, I think it's really important because I think it's like, so what is the disconnect? How do we work with, you know, the, these bills that we're seeing that are coming forward that, it, you know, it, it's, it gets very frustrating because it's like, do they not remember the eighties? Have they not read the research? I mean, there's incredibly compelling research just about the crack baby phenomenon. If nothing mm -hmm. else, you know, it's like, if nothing else, just read that one thing, but it's like, it's this reaction to, uh, go after the traffickers. And I think that that is still something that people don't particularly understand if they don't, I, I, I don't know why, but they, but they don't, you know, there's still this phenomenon that we have like drug kingpins sitting around, you know, it's like just this made up kind of um, from, from the movies, from whatever that just isn't reality. I mean, reality mm. is everyone is just trying to do the, best they can with what they've got. I mean, that's just like basis, every single human. And so when you're poor, when you're unhoused, when um, you're dependent on substances, you know, like that comes with behavior just like anything else does. And so I don't know how we're going to, but this is where my head keeps going is like, how do we find some common ground? How do we come together to say, yeah, we see that like, this is, you know, this is, your attempt to try to address this issue and like we we commend you on that or something but like you know it's like how do we do that so that we can I don't know maybe I'm just getting old and feeling like we all just need to get along but if we're if we're gonna put if we're gonna say that you know everyone needs community and everyone deserves compassion and love it also means those folks who we really don't agree with. And so I wonder, and I said this last time, but it's just like, I wonder about that. Like, how do we show them what we mean by the way we interact with them about bills? <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. like, and I just think that like, maybe there's something there um, that we can, that we can try to do differently because it, right. It's like, what we have done is not working. And maybe that goes for some of us too. Like, the, you know, maybe it's time to advocate differently. Right. You know? Right, exactly. And I love what you said about finding our common ground, right? Mm -hmm. Because everybody that has a proposal in, right, has put a proposal in because they too are terrified about all the deaths that are happening in their communities. 
So that tells us that we, and like you said at the beginning, we definitely have highlighted the amount of overdose deaths we're seeing. Now, maybe some of the response to that that we're seeing isn't exactly what we want, but we've got people's attention, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, so now people are paying attention. So our first level of shared value is we want to save lives. Mm -hmm. There's our first level, right? There's the first circle. The second level, we know the solution will come when we work together, right? Yeah. So then where do we go from there? <laughs> What's the next level? Because I can't seem to find it. <laughs> Stay tuned. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, and and really, I think I think we're probably almost out of time, but but I think it is a work in progress. And so really do stay tuned because that's what we're working on. You know, that is what what Main Drug Policy Coalition and what each of our individual organizations, you know, that is where we're at right now. We're still at the very beginning of the session. We're trying to figure this out. And so we want everyone who wants to be involved to to join us in that. So stay tuned and and we'll continue to kind of explore these ideas. Exactly. Exactly. And I think while you were talking I came up with the third concentric circle. Mm. It's an understanding that opioids were invented and marketed because they help people deal with pain. So how do we together as a community, right? We agree there's an issue. We want to save lives. We agree that we need to work together to get there. Is the third circle how do we together start healing some of this pain that so many of our sisters and brothers have? Mm-hmm. And 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 that solution, I think that solution also gets us to a lot of other issues we're dealing with in Maine. So I think you're right. We're out of time. We invite all of you. We thank you, first of all, for listening. Again, you're listening to Justice Radio. This is Charlotte Warren and Zoe Brokus with ending the drug war in Maine. We again, heartfully invite you to join us in this work. Thank you. And we will see you next month. Thanks so much. If you're interested in learning more about the legislation we have mentioned or advocacy efforts in general around drug policy, you can do that a couple of different ways. You can follow Justice Radio on Instagram at justice underscore radio underscore Maine. You can reach out to Church of Safe Injection to get added to the different mailing lists or to ask specific questions. You can email us at info at churchofsafeinjection.com or you can follow the main recovery advocacy project, which is doing a lot of work on the bill that we mentioned um, and many others around recovery and harm reduction efforts in Maine. 